Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store talking Twin Peaks. I'm Joe Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muadib from Cast That Movie. How's it going, Paul? The fucks are at it again. I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we are uh, deep into Twin Peaks The Return. Uh, we are on part 10, titled Laura is the One. And <clears throat> it's one of the funnier episodes uh, of, the, of all of Twin Peaks. Uh, there's so many just great comedic moments in this. Uh, would you agree? Oh, yeah, but it's juxtapositioned with some really dark shit, too, right? So, I, I, yeah, this is a great episode in that regards where, yes, I was laughing a lot in this episode, and I was shocked and appalled by a lot of this episode. It is schizophrenic on so many levels, and I think this episode right here... Um, is probably one of my favorites, honestly, um, because of that. Yeah, it feels like it's uh, kind of like classic Lynch in a sense. Uh, I was thinking about this when I was watching this episode because uh, there seems it seems like after with Firewalk with me on Lynch's movies and projects for the most part became pretty humorless. They have their moments, but it's like before you know, with like Wild at Heart, uh, Blue Velvet. Elephant Man, even and even Eraser had had like these uh, quirky, like weird, hilarious moments. It, he kind of just shied away from that for a long time. So I'm like, it's kind of weird seeing him back with a sense of humor. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I love it. All right, so this begins. Uh, poor Miriam, <laughs> she's in her oh. trailer home, <laughs> and Richard shows up in his piece of shit car. <laughs> oh my god, that car! He's <laughs> to have. He's gonna be like this drug dealer why the hell does he have that piece of shit car although side note i'm not going to name the person but i i know um or at least knew knew a a pretty prominent um uh dealer uh in our hometown and that guy was worth millions and the way he drove and the car he had and his house and everything you would not know. And in all honesty, that's probably the smartest thing he ever did because he was never caught. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be doing some highly illegal, why make yourself stick out? Was this uh, Tom Van Horton, by the way? No, 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 no. Tom Van Horton ran, ran, ran drugs for him, though. <laughs> he was the so. Chad. <laughs> he was the Chad. He he was the Chad. Yes. Um, Tom Van Horton ran ran for this gentleman, though, um, from from what Tom told me. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, Richard shows up. Uh, Miriam told him she's already called the police. Uh, Richard had this covered. I think uh, he probably had Chad take the call um, because he doesn't seem too worried about it. It's what she brings up. She wrote a letter, too, just in case. <laughs> can, can I, can, so... So I gotta talk about this scene. Look, he shows up. She's in this trailer, and he's like, "Hey, we need to talk." And she's immediately like antagonizing him, like, "Go away! I already talked to the cops, and I wrote a letter." You wrote a letter, and yeah. <laughs> Did you mail it today? Yeah. Oh, and then he comes by, like, "Lady, just shut up! Just shut up! Say you didn't say anything, and shut your fucking mouth." <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you? Uh... You know, it's like when he showed up, I would have called 911. Mm-hmm. But she's like, yeah, I mean, I get what she's doing is like, it's like kind of making it like, this is a futile gesture at this point. Uh, I already talked to the police. 
But, you know, and then she has that, I'm surprised you're not arrested yet. That should be red flag number one. <laughs> right? Over the murder of a child. <laughs> <You're wrong. laughs> uh. Yeah, we, we, we know what cop she talked to. We know what cop she talked to. And that was a bad call on her part. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you wouldn't know. <laughs> um, uh, she got the bad luck of the draw. <laughs> that, that police call. Uh but yeah, so and then uh, Richard gets mad and he storms into her trailer and just beats the bejesus out of her, which oh, is yeah. not funny. But it's just like it's what I like about this scene is that uh, we're not shown, but we can hear it. And I think that's it reminded me of like your story of like uh, the reveal of Bob. And you yes. just, just had to hear it. You just could only hear it because you're under the blanket. Mm-hmm. It's just like it adds to the horror. It makes it so much more worse when we're hearing the violence. You know, <clears throat> there's two schools there. <clears throat> I think you both you and I are, are horror and um, thriller and um, gore fans, right? Um, and you know, there's that kind of that idea of if you're going to show it, go over the top with it. Or don't show it at all. I seem seem to think of where a lot of things are at. Um, you know, one of the things that I look at, one of my favorite franchises of all time, was is Friday the 13th. Little did I know when I was watching them at the time, first time watching them through, that a lot of the cuts were made by the MPAA. Like, they were really, really gutted. And in a way, that actually made it worse because your imagination is making up these horrible things for it. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it, I, I think it's better this way in this particular instance of because when they, you see the body reveal, you want you, you think of just this horrible shit when she's laying there in that pool of blood. What the fuck did he do to her in that tiny trailer? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, again, it leaves you to your imagination and it is it gets dark and yeah, she's bleeding and he turns on the, the oven gas, uh, you know, kind of show like, basically I'm just going to let the, whatever it, I guess he's assuming it's going to blow up the trailer. Uh, you gotta have to, a spark to let that happen, but who knows? Uh, he's, well, kind of, uh, he's, just, he's not the brightest. He's not, not the brightest. No. Um, and you know, Cool guys don't walk away from explosions. You gotta have the explosion going when you're walking away. If it's not exploding when you're walking away, you're not a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's breathing still. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, if you're gonna do something like this, make sure your victim's dead. I guess would <laughs> be like I don't know. I think I think Richard suffers from donkey brains. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. uh, he seems a little dim. Well, we can get into why he's a little dim. I think uh, when 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 we get the big reveal, right? Yeah. So, well, he leaves. Uh, he calls Chad, and he's like, "You got." She sent this letter. You need to interpret it. Uh, the mail system in Twin Peaks seems fascinating. That she sent the letter that day, and it's going to the sheriff's station that day. They have amazing sorter. <laughs> Most mail goes to like. It goes like to another city, and it's sorted, and it goes all the way back. It's not the best way, but it's kind of weird. I I took note of that. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting because you know one of the things of this theme of this of this of the season is Twin Peaks has gotten bigger. 
Uh, <clears throat> you know, I could believe in, in, in the 1991 that Twin Peaks mail could have gone, you know, that day, right? It could be same day mail. It really could. Um, but yeah, you know, and I saw some people trying to justify a lot of this episode by saying it's a time shift. Like, we you know things are completely out of order, but I'm going, no, because in this particular instance, she noted that she mailed it today yeah. and she is going to intercept it today. Like, that was very clear. You can't. Yeah. Adjust. You can't adjust that. Yeah, that was. There was no ambiguous. Ambiguous. Eh, can't pronounce it. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. Yeah. There's. They ambiguous. stated. Yeah, it was stated pretty clearly. So, mm -hmm. in Twin Peaks, it's same day mail. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, at least they don't have the joy messing with their with their mail. That's all I got to say on that one. <laughs> Well, uh, we cut this horror show uh, to another to another horror, but we we get kind of suckered into it with uh, Carl uh, singing Red River Valley. Uh, I love it. We we got we always we love Harry Dean. <laughs> uh, every time we see him, we're gonna say it. We love Harry Dean. Harry, I, I, I again, there's not a movie that he hasn't been in. That maybe wasn't a fan of that movie, but I loved him in it. Oh yeah! Oh god! His I I quote his line in Repo Man all the time: "Ordinary fucking people, I fucking hate them." <laughs> Dude, he's we've said it. I, I think we've mentioned it before. Every time we talk about him, but my god, is there a better character actor? No, uh, he's he's so solid in everything he everything he does. Uh, just he's great. Uh, and, like, and here we get to see him uh, show off. He was a musician. He put out albums. Uh, yeah, there's some of them are pretty good. I like I like some of them. Uh, he's he's he was a very talented guy. And he's as he's sitting here strumming his guitar, singing Red River Valley. A red mug flies out of a trailer, and we see that uh, for Shelley's daughter, uh, history's repeating itself. Yep, get a right wedge ask for a raise. We need money. He is he is in the thrones of I believe withdrawal. He is going through some terrible withdrawal and is lashing out because he needs a fix. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, I, and I think it's funny, like, because you know, this is kind of you know, with like her mom, but like, did you notice like that Steve has a ponytail? <laughs> I did, I, I, I know. I didn't see it. I did not see that. Yeah, he has a ponytail. It's a little. I think that's a little nod to history repeating itself with Leo. Uh, so yeah, and he also brings up. He does a weird thing. He's like, "Do I ever yell at you to clean up the place?" It was like another uh, Leo always yelled about that. So like, I made that connection. But I also wrote in my notes that this guy is the chucklehead version of Leo. <laughs> so he pretty much is, isn't he? Yeah, he's. Uh, Everyone's kind of like they're, they're they're shadows of what of what the other people were. Yeah, and I mean I think that's kind of true in small communities. Like the drug dealer is going to be replaced by another skeevy drug dealer. Yep. Uh, the hapless waitress who's married to him. Yeah, it's just it seems like you know things life things change but remain the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and now they Oh, go ahead. Go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, but in this case, it's just, it's always a little worse. It's like, 
You know, the skeevy drug dealer is now an incompetent skeevy drug dealer. And I think we've seen that in small towns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it feels darker when you think of the, compared to the original. But then when I think of the original, like Leo with the bar of soap and a sock and basically trying to blow up Shelly in the sawmill, like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is just more visceral. Mm-hmm. seeing is where that was more dramatic and over the top by design but this is followed up by one of the funniest oh god okay, so we see rodney mitchum <laughs> <laughs> he's doing some paperwork really um, intent on this paperwork uh we got candy oh god <laughs> candy chasing a fly <laughs> and this is like again. This is what I just had to bring out. Like Lynch is like kind of going back to like his quirky humor. I think he kind of since I was so associated with Twin Peaks, I can see why he would tone it down a bit. But mm-hmm. like coming back, I think he kind of revels in this. Like because <laughs> this scene is drawn out, man. Like he's just oh, right. He's he's doing his notes, and she's all over the living room with like a handkerchief swapping at a fly. <laughs> And it is it's it is drawn out, it, and you 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 know the punchline's coming. You know what's coming, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, when it happens, it's still like oh shit. <laughs> yeah, because she uh, she grabs a remote, the the fly lands on poor poor Rodney's head, and she just smacks him with the remote control, and I just laugh, and it's like I know it's coming. It yep. shouldn't be this funny. But it fucking is because she immediately just freaks out and he's bloody. Like she she hit him pretty good. She fucking clocked him. Like, right? Yeah. It's probably seeing a doctor because like, he might have been concussed. It was she was bruised and blood like it bruised immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and this is uh it's weird because we had kind of two dark scenes in a row. And it followed up by two lighter scenes because then this is followed up by Dougie at the doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Dougie. Uh, he's, so my first thing is after I see Kyle McLaughlin without his shirt and I'm like, holy shit, this man's in shape for this. He got in shape, didn't he? Oh, my yeah. God. Like he had like a nine pack thing going. Like mm. he, had, he was abs. And. Uh, I, yeah, I understand why Janie was giving him the fuck me eyes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she was totally into it. And yeah, we find out that in this that that Dougie was missing for three days. So apparently he went on a had more than two rides from Jade, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he came back. And in those three days, he lost an amazing amount of weight, has perfect blood pressure, um, and is. Has arms like? Did you see his arms? Yes. Yeah, like when they're when they're doing the, the the blood pressure machine and just the veins and how muscular his arms was. Good on you, Kyle McLaughlin. Like that is some you, sir, put in the effort. I'm guessing there's not a lot of carb carbs in the Black Lodge. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I'm I'm gonna say that there probably isn't a lot of carbs in the Black Lodge because. That must Holy have been shit! All, all coffee, all that weird coffee. I mean, whew. But yeah, he's a and uh, he does this funny thing too, where he keeps uh, 
the guy, the doctor's trying to hear his, listen to his heart, and he keeps grabbing the stethoscope. And I just, uh, I love it. Just it's just that childlike wonder on his face. And the doctor's like, no, stop it, Dougie, stop yeah. it. Nope, nope, Dougie, Dougie, nope, nope, Dougie, Dougie, <laughs> Dougie. <laughs> yeah, and then we see Janie E, like, really just, like, once she realizes, like, how good he's looking, yeah, she's thirsty. Mm-hmm. She's a thirsty bee. Um, and I think this is the first time she's been thirsty for Dougie in a long time. <laughs> well, we heard how overweight he was. Oh, man. He didn't look that. Uh, like a health nut when we saw him with uh, Jade. No, those were a lot of lumpy pillows in his. In his. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this scene's followed up. Uh, Candy's crying hysterically. Rodney's drinking. Uh, it feels like Rodney feels worse about the situation than Candy because he's like, I'm fine. Oh, well, and I, yeah, and I want to go back to that scene where he gets hit because fucking. Um, uh, Belushi comes in. Oh God! Oh God! Candy, let go of him! Candy, let go! Of him. <laughs> yeah, she now she's a she's in hysterics. She's just crying and uh, yeah. And they turn on the news. Uh, the, they're pretty amused. Uh, this is the newscast we saw a few episodes back when Ike. Uh, well, so, well, they use repurpose some of the footage of when Ike attacked Cooper. Uh, he gets busted. Uh, uh, it's just like they're kind of celebrating. I guess they probably didn't like Ike the Spike. To the <laughs> Brad Bradley calls him an asshole. <laughs> Look at that asshole. Finally got caught. Yeah, and we find out they had a hit on him. They wanted Ike the Spike dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of uh, hits out in there out there in Vegas, I guess. Uh, yeah, but they found their Mister Jackpots. To which uh, Rodney says, "What a what a fucking world!" <laughs> God, yes, because it's uh, yeah, because our Mister Jones is Mister Jones. What a fucking world! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's great. Uh, when I I wasn't gonna think I was gonna like these two characters, partly because I really hate uh, uh, Jim Belushi. Or, Jim Belushi, yeah, yeah, Jim Belushi, yeah. It's just kind of like. Uh, just kind of like, just not my thing. But I, I just, I grew to like, I love these characters. And I love them even more. Just, they're fucking hilarious, too. Uh, with their weird, like, zombied out uh, candy girls or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you know I, I thought it was an interesting choice. You know, again, Lynch had some interesting actors coming in, right? Like, you know, um, I mean, Matthew Lillard hasn't been wanted in years, right? Um, has been doing a whole lot other than voice acting. Um, you know, J- uh, Jim Belushi, you don't get a good performance out of Jim Belushi. And the, I don't know what it is about Lynch's magic, but he gets good performances out of people that normally you wouldn't. And people that are great, like Naomi Watts, you get amazing performances out of them. Wait. No good performances out of Belushi? You say that like Blues Brothers 2000 doesn't exist. <laughs> that's like that's like Speed 2 Cruise Control. We don't talk about it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, uh, so this is followed up by probably like the most hilarious uh, sex scene I've ever seen. <laughs> um, uh, well, let's Dougie. talk about, yeah, let's talk about the dinner, though, because she's like, do you find me attractive, Dougie? 
and he looks at her and goes back to eating the cake. (laughs) And then she's like, I find you attractive. And she is like, she, you know, the scene opens up too, where she's got her feet crossed. Right. And I knew right away, like, Oh, Oh, just, just, you know, it's that old timey way of showing that, um, uh, you know, someone's interested or attracted or whatever. You know what I mean? It was very childlike or very um, teenager esque. Uh, what like the way that her body language was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she's at, and I mean to be fair, maybe that cake is really good, <laughs> um, but we all know Dougie's and you know uh, he's a space cadet at this point still. Uh, and then, then they make love. Uh, she's really enjoying it. Dougie looks, he has childlike wonder on his face. <laughs> like, you know. And his arms are flailing. <laughs> yeah, his arms are flailing. You know, because he has, he, he's like a toddler in a sense. Uh, which raises all sorts of troubling questions with this scene. <laughs> but uh, she's so loud, she wakes up poor Sonny Jim. <laughs> like, that's always a bad thing hearing your parents have sex. Huh? It, 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 you know, it, and it's, I gotta say, it, okay, couple of things in this. Yes, let's let's unpack this scene a little bit because this is borderline abuse. <laughs> this is borderline abuse, right? Because we know what's going on, and he is a completely vulnerable adult at this point <laughs> who cannot make any rational decisions. Not that he's minding at this point. I want to mind it. I want to say it. So that was weird. Uh, you know, that was kind of like a double edge. Like, a, okay, yeah, that's that's cool. But at the same time, it's kind of like, ah, ah, mentally handicapped. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, are we going to see Johnny Horn having sex later, David? Um, <laughs> then you get the what her idea of dirty talk is is just saying his name over and over different ways <laughs> and he's saying nothing and she thinks this is fantastic <laughs> he's just laying there man mm-hmm. <laughs> he's laying there like a dead fish and she's dougie 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 <laughs> and, then, and then she starts yelling and poor sunny jim wakes up and he's gonna be traumatized oh yeah it's uh yeah, I don't know if technically Cooper can consent to sex at this point. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> kinda... <laughs> yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, mm, I don't know if this was consensual per se, but go on. <laughs> it's just, the look on his face is just just makes a scene just hilarious. Though. Oh just... god, it's brilliant! It's so brilliant. Yeah, it, it is. It is a really really funny scene. I'm I'm not going to deny that at all. Um, so funny. Um, then we get probably my favorite part of the episode. I don't know about you, but this was my favorite part of the episode. Uh, no, no. My favorite part was the, the fly. Uh, I do like, I do like this part though a lot. Uh, uh, cause the fucks are at it again. Oh my God. I wrote this down. Guys, I want to, I want to say this. I wrote this soliloquy down. I wrote it down, Joe, because I was dying when i was when he was doing this so i want to say exactly what dr Tripkobe says and then the punchline. all right which i which i had me pause because i was laughing so hard because i forgot about this the fucks are at it again fuck you who betrayed the people you were elected to help 
we're sheep to these monsters, and they don't give a shit. Shit. We grow our wool, and just when we're getting worn, they come along with their electric clippers and sugar off our wool, and we're just naked, screaming, little fucks, no wool for us. <laughs> Freezing and hungry, in the night, in the dark, and they don't give a shit. And then when we get sick, the pharmaceutical companies make billions. They own the fucking hospitals, filled to the brim. They own the morgues. They own the embalming fluid. They own the mortuaries, the graveyards. These fucks. Is it the government's business who we marry? What the fuck do we care what the government thinks about who we marry? Are we going to invite them to the wedding? Fuck no. <laughs> they wouldn't come anyway. They're, they're too busy fucking. <laughs> fucking us at the grocery store, at the bank, at the gas pumps. They're feeding our children chemicals shit-coated in sugar. Why don't these monsters bite those tasty little treats themselves? Because they'll die in the streets, just like us. And then they'll bloat like big red fucking balloons. Stop. Stop distracting yourself with all this diverting bullshit and pay attention. Save the children. Every parent wants to save their child. Buy yourself a shovel. Dig yourself out of the shit and get educated. And then Nadine Hurley. Oh, he's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'd appreciate this scene more if I wasn't just hearing ranting and raving like this 24-7 on, like, cable news shit. So okay. give, give me a few years. But I do like uh, the name of Nadine's store is called Run Silent, Run Drapes. Yes. And she has a golden shovel on display in the front window. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I just, that that whole thing, just, just, just the part where he's like, just naked, screaming little fucks. And, and, and they fuck, no, they wouldn't come. They're, they're too busy fucking. My God. Mark Rice and David Lynch writing that out. I can just see them laughing their asses off as they were writing that down. <laughs> oh, yes. Dr. Amp. Dr. Amp. Holy shit. I love what they did with Jacoby. I do, too. Uh, it seems like the natural progression. It seems like he was on that that journey in, in the original run. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, this scene's followed up by two short scenes. Uh, Janie E. Uh, still just uh, on cloud nine from the night before. Yep. <laughs> One of, one of the funnier things. Uh, poor Jerry Horn's still in the woods. Oh, my God. <laughs> he has no cell reception. <laughs> he just screams, you can't fool me. I've been here before. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> Dude, the, yeah, it was just brilliant. And, again, I was laughing because of the Janie thing. I'm like, that was amazing to you. Okay, Janie, <laughs> like, you poor thing. <laughs> Yeah, she's had a sheltered life, I think. I would imagine. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Then we get. Uh, then it goes dark. We have all these. We had two dark. We had dark things. Some really funny things. Both of our favorite highlights of the episode. Then it goes right back to God damn it. Blitz just has to pull the rug out from under us, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, Chad. Uh, this seems a. It, it's. This part is not well, really. No, 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 I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. This part isn't that bad. This you're part, right. But this part kind of pushes things along in that. Uh, so Chad's going to try to uh, commit another federal crime of stealing mail. 
mail related to a homicide case. So he's really digging a digging himself a hole here. <laughs> Uh, and uh, but unfortunately, he's raising the concern, uh, the suspicions of Lucy. Uh, she's the receptionist. She sees it all. I was just going to say, it's a beautiful day, Joe. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> uh, did I also like that she has that that tray of piled up donuts? <laughs> like, that seems like an excessive amount of donuts. That is an excessive amount of donuts, isn't it? Oh, like, do they have that many people coming in? <laughs> They need. Uh, no, well, stay out there like that. Well, you know, here's a couple of here's a couple of interesting things that uh, you know about that share station. Um, you talk about that. It looked insane, but now there's a room with a bunch of other people in it, like this brand new room that we've never seen before that we saw a couple episodes back, right? So, I don't. I mean, are they? Are they coming back? <laughs> Is there a lot of people coming in there? I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit happening in Twin Peaks. Um, these days, so maybe. I mean, how long has Richard Horn been on the warpath? We're only seeing a snippet of, of what this fuck has done. <laughs> uh, we can glean that this is uh, uh, seems to be like a, a, a history with him. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, again, uh, Chad pockets the, the the letter to Truman uh, mm-hmm. as he goes and grabs the mail. Even the mailman suspicious. Uh, that can't be boding well for your elaborate plan to. <laughs> Do this for Richard Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, now, Lucy was looking out the window, seeing something. So we don't know if Lucy actually saw it or she didn't see it. We don't know. But Lucy has been known to be smart on things like that. We saw that early in season one when she was pretending to type, like she was typing a letter, but really she was writing down what Snake and Bobby were saying. Who? <laughs> I had to throw it out there. I had to throw it out there. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, he he grabs the letter. Uh, yeah, he's being just shady as fuck here. Uh, he texts Richard, "It's done." Now we go to Sylvia's house, where Johnny Horn has the coolest uh, teddy bear slash gorilla thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Johnny. How are you today? With a Hello. British accent. With a British accent. Hello, Johnny. How are you today? And we see that he is tied up to a chair, and his mouth is even wired shut at this point, and he looks horrible. He's got yeah. a helmet on. Oh, his... we saw, last we saw him, he ran pretty hard into that wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um. So, yeah, we get to this, and then we see um, uh, Johnny... Uh, or Richard um, pulling up to the house, and Sylvia does the stupidest thing. Go ahead, you can explain what Sylvia did because I just thought it was dumb. No, well, she kind of. Uh, well, one, why is it sounds like he's he got gated there? She's in a gated community, and they just let him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, then she just starts antagonizing him with the door open, with yeah. the door open, and he's coming charge into the house, right? And she starts closing the door a little too late. It's like, what the fuck were you thinking, Sylvia? Yeah, he just and he, he bursts in, and it's just like this is another just terrifying scene. I mean, it's just like he has no regard for anybody. None. He's mm-hmm. just psychotic. He knocks her to the floor. Johnny's so terrified, and this is like a thing because you know Johnny, you know, 
that special needs person. Mm-hmm. And he's so horrified. He's trying to, he wants to save his mom, but he's tied up because he hurts himself when he's running around. But you can tell he wants to like protect his mom and mm-hmm. he falls over. And it's just it, this, and all this is going on. We're hearing like this, like idyllic uh, 1950s type score, kind of like feeling like kind of something we would have heard in blue velvet. Mm-hmm. Which just makes it even more jarring. So I want to write this down. I I actually this gave me um, so after he kind of you know then he starts choking her out gets the gets the safe um, from her right. Meanwhile, the whole time that you're talking about that score going on, and then he gets the safe and he goes to the table and you're hello Johnny how are you hello Johnny how are you and you hear that music. I actually was like he took a page from Clockwork Orange. Like that to me was like I haven't felt that way since the Clockwork Orange rape scene. Yeah, uh, it feels a lot like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I assume uh, Lynch was at least early on was pretty inspired by Kubrick. It wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me they got a lot of similar similar styles. Mm-hmm. Very different directors, but you know you can see some stuff that Lynch was inspired by. Uh, it's yeah, it's jarring, and it, you just feel bad for Sylvia, and you feel bad for just Johnny. Like yeah, it's just you. You come out of that, and you just you just feel like uh, again all these funny moments that happened kind of took away from the murder at the beginning, or and, and then we're like, oh god, this is this is because I mean I thought I literally you know I. I know it wasn't going to happen, but watching it, I'm like, how did he not kill Sylvia? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looked like he got close. He almost choked her out. Mm-hmm. Then he just robs her blind, steals everything from her. Uh, and then he calls her a cunt. Yep. Uh, because he, why did she have to make something so simple, so difficult? I think is the gist of what he screams at it. Like, yes. her fault. It's her fault that he had to do that to her. Just typical, uh, uh, uh shit heel mentality and abuser mentality. So yeah, it's, this scene is just rough and it's just, uh, it, the return has a, some of the most disturbing, uh, scenes Lynch has ever done. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you on that. It it really does. It has some of the most disturbing and some of the greatest <clears throat> greatest things he's ever done. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's good. It, it's jarring. And that, you know, it's on purpose. He, this is the this is the terror Richard's been inflicting on his family. We, we glean on that later when Sylvia calls Ben that this isn't the first time. Yes. Bullshit. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. He is a fucking... He is a he is a wreck. Um, then we cut to um, Roger um, reports Ike's arrest to Duncan Todd, and somehow we see uh, Tom Sizemore hanging out, probably <laughs> probably hungover from the night from his partying the night before. <laughs> from what we know about Tom Sizemore, um, his a uh, go ahead. Oh, Anthony, uh, he's, uh, he, uh, he's like, he, this, the great thing is like, you know, this is like one of those guys who just gets in way over his head thinking he's going to be like some sort of like mastermind criminal or a scammer of some sort. Like it just, blow, it, his world's blown up in his face because, uh, Todd is pretty much, uh, you're going to go to the Mitchum brothers and you're going to tell them 
the the, the denial of their insurance claim was at the hands of Dougie Jones. Uh, this is Todd's way of getting somebody else to do the dirty work since uh, Ike has now been arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's a weird move. Like I see what what he's doing, but like if I had to deal with somebody like Mister C, I would have just uh, <laughs> I would uh, just get a hit, man. Uh, this this is kind of an elaborate plan that could just blow up in your face at any time. I am so honestly but, if I I, I I if I thought about this because I had the same thought right like if I was working if I was doing Mr. C I would have done it my fucking self yeah <laughs> uh, yeah if you're already in that kind of criminal element world uh yeah you might as well but who knows Duncan Duncan Todd you know uh he had that weird uh weird experience with the hobo behind <laughs> the restaurant mall and drive maybe his brain is just not all there anymore Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And then he he caveats this though, though. If this doesn't work, Anthony's gonna have to kill Dougie himself. So it's yep. like if this elaborate plan doesn't work, fucker. You're gonna have to get a gun and shoot this guy. Otherwise, we're gonna I'm gonna have you killed. Yeah, and he knows. Uh, I, I, He's fucked. He's <laughs> in way over his head. Uh. Yeah. Well, and again, Tom Sizemore's always in over his head. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's good in this. I like him in this. Uh, I, I do. Like, I do like I him. I like this. him in this, and I like him in Natural Born Killers. Uh, I can't really think of anything else that I've seen him in that I that even pops out. Um. Yeah, you hit the two that I think of. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, this for this uh, foreshadowing, or not even that. It's just like setting up kind of like the next string of episodes with Anthony. Uh, we get this like little scene with Albert with uh, the coroner having dinner, uh, and we see Gordon Cole like giddy, like like a little kid, all excited that his buddy has found a girlfriend. <laughs> I love this scene so much. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, because. We talked about it last episode, right? Like the 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 interaction between Albert and Constance, and uh, it you know it, it it was it was I forgot about this scene that they went and had dinner together, and I was like, oh yeah, because yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, this this episode balances the dark and the light. I mean, like that's that's basically Blinch's mo is dualism, dark light, uh, extremes. I think this episode balances it out. Uh, I mean. It, the the Sylvia scene is really intense, and then we get this other thing where it's just like it's just kind of piling on. Like, well, now we're gonna get Dougie Plan B to kill Dougie, uh, and then we just kind of get this nice little scene where we can breathe a little bit before mm-hmm. we get back into the Silver <laughs> Silver Mustang Casino, which follows this. Which I thought was gonna be, a, you know, when I first saw, it, I was like, oh god, is this this episode is it, is it gonna be just torture porn? But <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because, uh, mm. Anthony shows up to set up Dougie with the Mitchum brothers, <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> this is a, this is also another one of my favorite scenes in this. It, it, anything with candy at this point for me, uh, <laughs> if they ever do something, <laughs> you know she's going to do it fucking weird and wrong, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's a side note to this. So yeah, so she goes out. They tell her. And she's not paying attention. The girls are just standing against the fucking wall. Yeah, they're, 
<laughs> they seem like they're just oblivious to the world around them, which is funny because it, it, uh, it, if that's the way they're supposed to be, it's obviously it's grading to the Mitchum brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking can't stand that. Mm-hmm. Or like, I feel like they're kind of like our avatar. Like, fucking just go, Candy. <laughs> Belushi's just getting pissed. Belushi is getting pissed. I love it. Candy, go. So then, so then she I, finally she goes down. She meets with him, and <laughs> uh, we told her to get him, not tell him a story, her life story, and then, and then Belushi for four fucking hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like waving her arms and like you can tell Anthony's like really confused. <laughs> <laughs> like talk to the guy down there with him. It's like just fucking tell Candy to bring him up here. And you see it now, and you see him grab the earpiece because Belushi's so pissed, and he's like, ah. And then he has another thing, like when she, uh, uh, when they bring, like before they bring him in, like Belushi has a soft spot for her. Like he's like, we fire. She has no place to go. Like. They're kind of like stuck with these three like showgirls. Like they just feel so bad because maybe they have some sort of. There's been a like things like maybe they have like some sort of mental disorder or something. I just think they're just uh, spaced out people. Like, I just think they're spaced out people. I've known plenty of people who are just kind of spacey like that. It's just it's just how some people are. But it's just like they're kind of like, it feels like they're stuck with them out of like their empathy for their. These three women situations. Well, and I wonder too, like you know, because we've known that the Mitchums have been involved in some weird shit over the years, right? So, like, was this was this a group that like they they whacked their boss, their original boss, or fucked someone over, and they're like, all right, we have to take care of these girls. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like they, they just inherited them from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> that's, that's legitimately what I think happened. <laughs> Whacked a mob boss like oh well now we're stuck with them because we can't <laughs> kill them but they can't let them go because they'll go to the cops or something. Mm. Well shit. Uh, so he brings her, bring them in, and Belushi's like, "What were you talking about there on the floor?" And she's like, "Oh, about how it's gonna be really hot and how lucky we are to have air conditioning in the casino." And I'm at this point, I'm just fucking losing it. Oh, like, I'm laughing so hard. So. I did, you know, and before we did this episode, I don't know if you knew this or not. I did some research into this. There is somewhere a five-minute record, like like recording of her talking about the air conditioner to Tom Sizemore. <laughs> <laughs> like they like legitimately, they recorded five minutes of her explaining the air conditioning to Tom Sizemore. <laughs> it's just like. The bet is like, you know, she's and he just looks baffled. Tom Sizemore just looks baffled. <laughs> what? Like, even when he's in there with the Mitchum brothers, she's obviously like troubling him in some way. Like, he's just like, what is going on with her? Well, and, and, and you know, before he comes, you know, before before he comes in and everything and they're sitting out there, uh, Belushi makes the comment of, I don't trust this fucker as far as I can throw him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he got them the insurance. He was their insurance guy, from what I understand, and they didn't get uh, uh, the claim that they put in for like was like thirty million. Thirty million. Thirty million was denied. Uh, so yeah. they're not really. They don't really care for this guy. 
But he goes in there and he's like, he's he's throwing Dougie under the bus. Like he handled the claim. Like I did, I I was your guy. I set it up, but he's the one. He has something out there for you. Just like, uh, and the best part is like the Mitchum brothers like have no. Uh, he's not getting the response he wants because they're just kind of like just glaring at him because like, you can tell they just don't fucking like this guy. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, again. Uh, I, I thought at first, you know, they're kind of taking it like, okay, this this is fucked up. But then we find out after after they kick him out, they believe him. Yeah. Uh, yep. Before they kick him out, though, they guys have to yell at Candy again. <laughs> Candy, show him out. Candy, <laughs> Candy. <laughs> and I, again, I'm losing it just because <laughs> now in my mind, I'm thinking they inherited Candy and those girls, and they just can't do anything. And oh, this the amount of the amount of stress that just adds to their life it's brilliant i mean I, yeah this was par- another great scene it's par for the course with in their lives to get smacked in the face of the remote <laughs> i imagine that's not the first time it's happened <laughs> i wouldn't imagine either <laughs> holy shit yeah no there's there, there's like again we want the albert uh, we want the the albert gordon mysteries i also want to see um the the Mitchum brother um the Mitchum brother adventures oh i I would watch that in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. these two again this this show warmed me up to belushi a bit like i probably would never like anything he's ever done but like with this i'm okay with i was really mad when i found out he was cast i was too i well i wasn't i wasn't mad i was just like what the fuck like what what is he gonna do because i when you know when you're looking at it and the casting was all going on i also was like either this is going to be like the most bloated dialogue ever or this is just gonna be a bunch of cameos and that's kind of what it, i still consider jim belushi more of a cameo than that's, a uh... main He's not a. He's not. If this was a season, he's not a season regular. But he's bigger than a cameo because his, okay. his character isn't bigger, especially later on with uh, with Dougie. That's true. That's yeah. All right. Fair enough. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But uh, so <laughs> this is uh, followed up. They uh, you know they're having drinks and they're kind of plotting their revenge on uh, on Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is followed up by Gordon Cole in his hotel room doodling. And it, it zooms in on the drawing like Lynch made. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the drawing means. It's a cool drawing. Uh, it's just I, I I feel like there's a reason why they pointed our attention to that. Yeah, I didn't know either. Um, I, I Yeah, I didn't know what they were doing there. But also... You know, Lynch is big about his art, too. So it might have been something that he was, like, Easter egging the people about, hey, I'm doing new art. I don't know. Maybe he was really maybe he was really happy with the drawing. You're like, I kind of want to put this in there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. But then there's a knock on the door. And this is another kind of jarring thing. And that he opens the door, and we get this scene from Firewalk With Me when Laura mm-hmm. Rudd is at uh, Donna's door crying after she just saw Leland. Uh, she realized Leland was Bob. Yep, 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 wow. and she's screaming, and Gordon is freaked out by it, very, very obviously. I, I, I would be. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think? Do you think this is the lodge, like Laura in the lodge, or like a lodge entity tipping Gordon off? I think it is. I, I really do because 
you know, Laura was involved in the Cooper case, right? It was, I mean, yeah, Laura's kind of the big thing in this one, but her connection to Gordon is Cooper. So, yes, I think this is the Lodge kind of going, you're on the right track here with Cooper. Yeah, this is this goes back all the way back to Twin Peaks going back. And it's like, especially with a, a scene that's pretty uh, like a relevatory moment in Firewalk with me when mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, you know, we've Laura realizes the, you know. So, yeah, I think it was them like this is the connection to Cooper, which would be Twin Peaks. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Then, then it dissolves and it's Albert. Uh, again, and this is, uh, I feel like this is showing because, like, once Laura realized there's danger in her house and she knew who it was, this juxtaposed, this this is combined with Albert's news in that uh, uh, Diane got a, a mysterious text about the around the dinner table, the conversation is lively. And then Albert makes fun of her by saying she has this highly encrypted text saying they talked to Hastings. He's going to take to the site. <laughs> so, like, I think I feel like this is like kind of like the same length, uh, kind of like the same kind of theme of that there's danger in their ranks. Uh, Laura had like that moment when she realized there was danger in her home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Albert informing Cole that there's danger in their. Uh, type of uh, situation. It's among them. The danger is among them. Yes, I would agree with that as well. I think, yes, that's also part of it, 100%, because that is, he he picked that particular um, scene from Firewalk with me because of that. Like, let's, yeah, I think you you nailed it on the head there. And then uh, they, 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 they're concerned, and the, uh, Cole admits he felt something was off when she hugged him. And uh, what what are they going to do? They're going to have to keep her close. Uh, you know, the old keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. And then we get weird, odd music that's yeah. jarring and a slow motion for a few seconds of Tammy walking up, thinking that something's going to happen to Tammy. That's what I was thinking. Yep. Uh, nothing happens. Uh, she has more information on the penthouse murders in New York. Uh we see the glass box with Mr. C. So now we know Mr. C was monitoring, uh, paid that uh, kid to monitor anything that comes in the glass box. Uh, so we now know that he was that, that entity we see in it. That's something Mr. C has been searching for. So I want to bring up something else. Did you notice who was sitting with Mr. C? No. Um, we haven't met this character yet. It's a character in the show, um, and he has a connection to Audrey. Is it uh, what's his name? It's the it's the it's the short guy. Okay, that's, that's what I know. I, I go back and look, but that's what I saw. I was like, "Oh shit, I know that guy. We're gonna see him soon." Uh, Charlie. Uh, Charlie. I don't know. It it might have been him. I don't know. I'll have to re look at that because I'm not sure. It, it would. It wouldn't really make any sense to me, but considering he's in Twin Peaks, uh, he's uh, in uh, Final Dossier. We find out he is a therapist, so I, I'd be kind of confused why he would be that. That would be him. It just looked like a bald-headed guy with glasses. Maybe I th- I thought it was yeah I thought it was Charlie. Maybe go back and look and maybe tell me tell me I'm wrong next episode. Um, I, it looked like Charlie to me. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. 
Uh, I don't. Th- I'll have to relook at it. But uh, speaking of uh, Charlie, uh, that happened last week. Uh, actor who played him, Clark Middleton, uh, passed away from uh, West Nile disease, which mm, yeah, put this on the 2020 bingo card of fucked up things. Uh, I you know I like him in this. He'll be in the next episode. Uh, yes. I love his interactions with uh, Audrey. Uh, <clears throat> The other thing I know him from, he was on Fringe. I yes, he was. That. Uh, Fringe had some Easter eggs for Twin Peaks, so that's a nice connection. And <laughs> my, the, other, the th- main thing I knew him from is uh, in Kill Bill Volume 2, he's uh, he's Bud's drinking buddy. He's they Bud's drinking buddy. <laughs> when they bury the bride. <laughs> so, oh, my God. He's, he's, I, I feel like I remember he's like, he's not impressed with the bride's looks. Uma Thurman's like, she doesn't look that good. God, that <laughs> was beard bearing her alive. But yeah, he's uh, it's sad. It's it's depressing. Uh, he he seemed like a really nice guy. Everything Lynch did a video the uh, after saying he like he loved working with them and all that. Uh, everything I've read about after that, he seemed like such a a re- really uh, awesome person in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, agreed. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, I, 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 you know, I didn't see him in a lot of things, but when I did see him, it was, it was always kind of, like, oh, that guy, you know, he was one of those actors to me. Yeah, I think he was like the guy in Fringe at the, uh, he, like, he had the books when they were like doing investigating, like he ran like an abnormal bookstore or something. <laughs> yeah, I mostly knew him. This <laughs> is Bud, Bud's drinking buddy. <laughs> <laughs> in Texas, in Gill Bill. But yeah, it, it's sad. Uh, I'm excited to get to his stuff next next episode because, oh, you feel bad for Charlie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Then there's a, I know, uh, you know, there, uh, we've been getting quite a bit of uh, listens to our podcast, which is phenomenal. Thank you guys for listening. And I know people are going to be really interested in what we're going to talk about next episode and our thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into that. I am too. Uh, now we go back to the Great Northern, where an exasperated Ben Horn is on the phone with Sylvia, where she's explaining uh, Richard's attack on her. Uh, he's obviously concerned about uh, Johnny. I mean, again, Johnny's special needs. Uh, he wants to make sure his son's okay. Uh, Sylvia's pissed off because all her money's stolen, so she wants more money from Ben. And you know, I I get it. Mm-hmm. It's her life, livelihood from whatever their situation is. I'd have to remember from final dossier. I think they're separated. Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah, I don't think they're divorced yet, but she's living separately from Ben. Uh, to which, like, after she's like, uh, she's calling her lawyer. So, you know, obviously Ben's not going to give her any more money. Ben's not going to give her any more money. Well, I mean, <clears throat> once you get the lawyers involved, I mean, then it's, it's you know, what it, it's, I think it's a shitty situation in general. Uh, I can see both sides. I mean, that's her livelihood and it was stolen by their piece of shit grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then Ben, you know, like we've seen him being at, behaving pretty well and respectful this is followed. He calls for Beverly and he wants to bring her to dinner. So he's just like, fuck it. You know, like I get that too. Yep. I don't think he's, he's being a terrible person. I think it's just like, fuck it. You know, like 
you know, I, you know, it, it seems selfish, but sometimes you got to do something for yourself. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. I completely, completely agree with that. And I think after that episode, I mean, you know, you got to look at it and be like, <clears throat> um, that's a pretty traumatic thing. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we kind of like, we glean that this isn't the first time Richard's done something like this. Uh, and we'll get more of that later on. Uh, there is, he has a history of going to family for money. Even like, uh, even when he attacks, uh, she says something like, ah, yeah, your grandfather's not giving you any more money, is he? Yes. Yes. So we, we see that this has been, you know, they establish, um, and it's a, it's a blink if you, you know, you, you miss if you blink moment, but they do establish that um, that they are that he has been bleeding the family dry for money. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's bleeding them, but it's just it's you know he it's it's a pain in the ass. I think more so than I think this this time it was like he crossed a line he hadn't crossed before. I think we get a little bit more of that next, but this is uh this followed up. Uh, Margaret Lanterman is talking to Hawk, and I love these scenes. I love her and Hawk. Uh, it's just beautiful. He just sits there and listens to her, listens patiently as she talks. You, you know, because Log Lady, she's cryptic. Yes, she talks about the Truman brothers are the true men, and they're his brothers. Yep, I actually have this whole thing right now. If you want me to want me to say it, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so she says, um, "Hawk, electricity is humming. You hear it in the mountains and rivers. You see it dance among the seas and stars and glowing around the moon. But in these days, the glow is dying. What will be in the darkness that remains? The Truman brothers are both true men. They are your brothers and the others, the good ones who have been with you." Now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now flowing like a river. That which is and is not. Hawk, Laura is the one. So <clears throat> there's a lot going on in there. And <clears throat> I wanted to get your opinion because the only part that I truly understood in that was the electricity was humming um the um the mountains and rivers which i assume were um is jack rabbit's palace and um the fact the circle you know the 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 circle's almost complete which brings back to cooper yep i think that's what she's alluding to the circle's almost complete uh the truman brothers uh who have been instrumental with the the events I think this is now it's we're this is tinting that we're coming to the end of this story with Twin Peaks. Uh, it's it's pretty, you know. These are your allies. Is the is the circle's about to and Laura is the one. So it's, it's she's sprinkling clues here to Hawk uh, again, like with uh, Cole seeing Laura. Uh, this is their connection. It's all going mm-hmm. back to. Uh, the events of uh, the, the original series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and Laura is the one. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of Laura this season, but she looms heavily. And I love, again, I love that 
there's characters that loom heavy and they're, you know, uh, only used with uh, old footage because they had passed on uh, Don Davis and uh, Craig Silva. I just love that, like, these presences uh, just loom heavy over the story. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I do want to do want to kind of break a little bit down because, you know, it does say um, you see it dance among the stars, the seas of stars, the glowing of the moon. But these days the glow is dying, which, um, you know, having I thought that was a throwback to episode eight of, uh, you know, the 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 glow, you know, Laura Palmer. And now she's dead and, you know, her ability to fight kind of the evil and and, and the fact that. Um, the Black Lodge is kind of one, although not really. It's more Bob. I get the feeling the Black Lodge is even at this point going, what the fuck? Um, but she doesn't say it's dead. She says it's it's dying. Dying. This right. comes in because we'll have to get into it later, which will kind of like, you know. Yes. But there's still hope of that glow. Yes. So we are on the same page of what we think that means. I don't want to say more. Yep. I think okay. we are. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Good deal. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I saw it. And I think kind of the, the watch, the, the dream of time and space, it's all coming out now flowing like a river. I think that that's also um, kind of a clue to the to the viewers that maybe before time continuity was kind of cut out. And now we're going to be getting into more of more fluidity in the timeline. That's my thought as well. Yeah. Which is weird because it feels like now in this part of the return, I feel like it doesn't get as ambiguous with timelines until the very end. It seems, from my memory, seems pretty straightforward. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, in my, from when I remember as well, this is when it starts to get straightforward as well. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, I really like again whenever Log Lady has these cryptic clues. I I don't always understand them. Like when I rewatch. For this, I didn't, when I watched the first two seasons, I didn't watch the Log Lady intros because uh, those, you know, uh, they're basically just like Easter eggs and whatever for, uh, you know, uh, for the viewers, like return viewers. Uh, but uh, I love it. I love it. And I love that this is followed up by my favorite Roadhouse performance. So good. Uh, so good. <laughs> Go ahead. No stars. No stars. This is. This song is the reason I bought the soundtrack. Uh, I saw this and I was just gobsmacked by the song. It just it, it's one of those songs that just hit me hard, and I mm. don't know why. I still don't know why, but I I love I love it. I love the imagery. I love the uh, the lyrics, her vocals, just everything about it. I just I just it just it does something for me, and I I can't explain it. And I, that's probably the best way to explain a David Lynch movie too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I looked into it. This song, David Lynch helped write, actually, yep. uh, the lyrics. So I think it's very telling that we have that monologue from um, uh, from the Log Lady and we went to No Stars. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I think that's there's something very there there. Yeah. And I do like she's her uh, her dress has the chevrons. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I saw that right away too. I'm like, okay, yep, absolutely. She has the chevrons, and let me just say, her voice, like, she is so underrated. Oh God, yes, yeah, she is amazing. Her voice is so beautiful. 
and mm-hmm. powerful. It was just like, yeah. The first time I saw it, I was just like, I, I was gobsmacked. I just sat there, and then I went on YouTube and listened to it. The song, because I, you know, everybody fucking, you know, it's uh, it's online right away. Yeah, and she did so. that song, um, "Cry," um, in Mulholland Drive as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She's a she's a, a Lynch collab collaborator. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a nice thing. Uh, do you notice who was playing guitar? Yes, Moby. Yeah, I, I don't noticed like that. Moby, but it's a nice. <laughs> I like Moby. I do. I like Moby. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I like Moby. Um, you know, he, he the, Moby is associated with some of my more um, positive um, uh, memories of high school. So yeah, I, 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 Moby has a soft spot for me. That's good. I just had. I worked with people who played the the play album so often that I just I can't yeah. listen to his music anymore. <laughs> well, you know, and the play album is well, well, good. He did other great stuff afterwards, that but it was just more of a fad thing at the time, and yeah. that's you know, it is what it is. He made money off of it, but also hurt him long term. So, but yeah, and then there's no dedication in this one. Nope. Uh, I th- yeah, I don't know when the next one's coming. It might be next episode. I think uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, that was a good episode. I really like this episode a lot. Um, again, you feel like things are moving forward. Um, there again, it's the juxtaposition. I mean, yes, did I feel dirty during some of the scenes? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't want not so much the mur- murder of Miriam. That was you know, like whoa. More so the one with with Johnny and um, uh, Sylvia. That was rough. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, again, the the highs of it were high, right? Like so good. Absolutely, yeah. I'm. Uh, it's getting. We're getting down there in episodes now. <laughs> we are getting down there in episodes. Um, now we have a great one next episode, and if I remember correctly, twelve is one we're probably gonna have some words about if i remember correctly <laughs> with the roadhouse performance yeah and well just just the episode in general i have a feeling if i'm if i'm remembering correctly and again it's been a long time um i i i don't want to say much on this particular episode but yeah the next one's gonna be really good i'm excited for that because we're gonna have a lot to talk about in that episode a lot to talk about in that episode um, and then 12, if I remember, is there's like one big scene in it. Um, and then that's about it, if I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. I it's been all it's been a hot while since I've watched the return. So I'm I'm in for the ride, man. So well, me too, me too. Again, I'm not I'm not skipping ahead. I watched this today. Um, got my notes all fresh today. Um, so that's where we're, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. So Joe, uh, I noticed you had a new Joe down out. Talk to me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Halloween month. So we do horror movies. Uh, Paul, you and I are horror movie fans. I think our significant others on our other projects are not. <laughs> they are not. No. Uh, Joe Brown does not like horror movies and I kicked it off with, uh, Mandy, the Nicolas Cage, uh, surreal, uh, 
horror movie. It's real. It's a movie you can't really. It's hard to unwrap because it's it's more visual. Like I've I've compared it to like a like a racer head. Like this is one of those things. It's hard to describe because when you do, you sound like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it has, yeah, it's him in his underwear, chugging a bottle of vodka and screaming. He's all bloody and beat up. So, you know, you get your you get your cagey moments and then you get like this, you know, really weird uh, uh, surreal. Like you feel like you're on acid watching it. It's, it's great. And then uh, later this week, we'll be doing the 1998 remake of Psycho. Oh, God, I feel for you guys. Yeah, I we went we, we, we went to the top of the mountain with Mandy and now we're. You are down in the valley under the power lines with that movie, sir. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, what do you guys? Uh, what's going on with cast that movie? So we were going to have an episode um, this week. However, a um, couple of things happened. Uh, there was a, uh, um, I want to say a family emergency, but just something that uh, that had to take Joe away. So. We discussed it, and we're gonna we're gonna start the official season two of cast that movie, and what that's going to entail is rather than having two a month, unfortunately, because I know you're our biggest fan and listen to it the most, we're gonna go down to one episode a month, but it's gonna be three hours. Oof. Uh, and we're gonna change the format of it because one of the things that we were discussing was, well, we um. We talk about what went wrong in the movie. We don't really talk about the plot of what's going on in the movie and kind of, you know, the the parts of it that don't make sense and kind of what's going on. You know, we kind of assume that people just know what this movie is. So what we're going to do is, since the name of the movie is Cast That Movie, we're going to start with the Dream Project and dig into that. And then we're going to go to the Recast Project and really dig into it, like, what made the movie so bad? Was it really that bad? What was the plot? What was going on? Why did it suck? So it's going to be a little bit more in depth um, into going into what we've been doing. All right. Because, because I'll be honest, Waterworld and because we, we're going to do Waterworld and the steroids of baseball, those are two very bloated things. <laughs> yeah. Because steroids of baseball during the Barry Bonds and um, Sammy Sosa days. Well, that's there. There was a lot preceding it, and there's a lot that came after it. So it was difficult to just kind of focus on what we felt like was that part. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's what we're doing there. What, what what other projects are we in together? I know we're in, but we're in another one together. Yeah, uh, Bears Beats Bobbleheads, Talking Office. Uh, what episode is dropping this week? This week, we just did email surveillance, so it's, um, oh, hell. What is dropping this week? Hold on, I got it, I got it. Uh, wait. Scroll down, damn it. Yeah, I have my, oh, <laughs> Christmas party. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Christmas party is so good. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite episodes, top three, I believe I said. Um, I would say that I very much enjoyed that episode. So. Um, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not going to say if it's if it's if necessarily my favorite or what or anything like that because, uh, you know, again, if you're listening to this, you should really be listening to our office podcast because it's worth it. Um, 
but uh yeah it's um who yeah that's fun <laughs> <laughs> well 15 bottles of vodka get 20 people drunk <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that should do it <laughs> um i think i've been to one of those parties actually yeah and <laughs> fuck is it a uh is, 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 is when you're at one of those parties, you know it's going to be a hell of a night because people take that as a challenge. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. I've ended up on the toilet in those parties uh, more than once, and maybe a stare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was a fucking. I was a wreck at parties when I was younger, dude. Fuck. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what we got going on. Um, uh, so, we can, again, you can find all this at the joedown.blog, which uh, Joe owns and operates. Um, and, um, you know, there's other, you, if you're listening to this, you can find all of them on Spotify, SoundCloud, um, YouTube, um, uh, what else? Um, Google, um, iTunes. Yeah, it's hell. There's a lot of shit we do. (laughs) (laughs) We've been busy. We've been busy. So with that, Joe, is there anything else you want to say? The fucks are at it again, Paul.